Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Loose Units, Loose Ends, the bonus spin-off podcast where Dad and I answer your questions and sort of just hang out each week to keep your company during the, during the lockdown, really. Now, Dad, you and I had a bit of a weird morning. Now, you don't give anyone any specifics. No. But in a nutshell, how was your morning and what did you do? You know how you said bonus? Yeah. I imagine if you pulled that apart and thought about bone us, that'd be weird, wouldn't it? What? <laughs> well, the thing is bone. No, I get it. Yeah, but I mean bone as in next week's something's happening too. So, so it's, all, it's all very exciting, isn't it? It's going very well. What Dad's mm. trying to say in his kind of roundabout way is that today was day five of the recording of the Electric Blue audiobook for Penguin. And what's happened is, of course, I thought it might be nice to get Dad into the studio to have a cheeky cameo on the audiobook. So it was Dad and I on Zoom in two different sound stages uh, doing a live thing from Sydney and Melbourne. So if you pre-order the... Oh, shit, I don't want to bury the lead, Dad, but the Electric Blue audiobook is up for pre-order right now on Booktopia. So, if you want to support us, but you're waiting for an audiobook, now you know that Dad cameos on it. So go across and grab it at Booktopia. It's actually probably the best place to get it right now. But mm. yeah, Dad and I were in the studio. Did you enjoy doing it, Dad? I was in the studio in Sydney. You were in Melbourne. Mm. In we're talking mega professional studios, mm. like incredible. It was like like sort of being in a radio station. It was um, great, wasn't it? The thing that really came home resonated with me mm. i was only in there for three hours and that was intense so yeah i was in the uh, studio only for three hours today and uh then i thought about you being in the studio all week 25 25 and reading hours. and yeah. reading your entire book am i allowed to say no many, you, you can, well i you can't can. say how many pages i'll just say that it's bloody thick it's longer than the last one it's about 100 pages longer than the last yeah. one that's what, and what a and, and aren't the technical people so technical our, our engineers were amazing yeah incredible and we, we just had such a good time mm. it was so nice last time when dad did the intro for loose units the audiobook which again if you haven't heard give it a listen dad came in and did an intro for it but we didn't get to see each other so we could only hear each other but mm. because of this covid era zoom fest that's happening we were watching each other live the entire time and if you want to head across to our facebook page you can see a photo of us mm. recording the audiobook. So, because we've been involved in this whole process for so long, years, yeah. When I came out of the studio around one o'clock today, which for the listeners, um, we need to explain that uh, that's the reason this podcast is going <laughs> late. Late. Oh, sorry. The, I think it's the first yeah. time it's ever mm. happened. 
but with good reason. But when I came out of the studio and spoke to the staff that had been attentively enthralled by what happened today, and it was a bit of a... I, don't, I haven't told you this, Paul, because I haven't spoken to you uh, since uh, we were in the studio together. Mm. But when I came out and spoke to the staff concerned, you know, the engineers, the technical people, mm -hmm. they were enthralled and they were buzzing and they were saying what an incredible experience they'd all had and they loved every second of it. Oh, that's nice. Everyone was just so happy, so just happy to work with us and so obliging and everyone there seemed to really enjoy the book. So, yeah, I guess now that it's up for pre-order on audiobook, you have no excuse if you haven't already grabbed your copy and want to have a listen, you know, the day it comes out. Mm. Head across to Booktopia. I think it's going to be a real... A real yeah, I'm looking forward to journey. it. Yeah. Dad, I actually have a bunch of really fantastic questions from listeners, if you'd like to dive in. I'd love to. Okay, first of all, on Sunday, it's Jolie Moncrief's birthday, and her friend Bonnie reached out and asked that we do something special. Now, in the past, Jolie has designed... Well, she did that amazing from our Sold the Breakfast cross-stitch for us, and mm. Dad, she has a special birthday request for you. So this will be your present to her. Okay. okay. Yep. She wants you to say vagina. <laughs> I should remind you, it's impolite to say no to the birthday girl. She wants me to say what? <laughs> she wants you to say vagina, a word that I had no problem saying, but that you tactfully avoided a few episodes ago. Fanny. <laughs> No. Vagina. Remember with Austin Powers? Vagina. One of, one of the actor's names was Lotta Vagina. Say the word by itself. Vagina. It's a weird word, isn't it? Not really. I mean... I don't have any problems saying vagina might. Well, that's not a real thing. All right, well, Jolie, I hope you enjoy your birthday and I hope that dreadful acoustic, you know, tidbit has provided you with everything you need. And mm. uh, I want to kind of segue pretty aggressively towards something. We just finished a two-parter on bullying and suicide in the emergency services. And we have had, and I, Dad, I think you'll agree, an absolute deluge of amazing, yeah. amazing correspondence. Mm. Yeah, and, a lot, a lot. Uh, yeah, a lot of you have been reaching out with really heartbreaking stories after the two-parter. If you haven't heard them, go back and listen. But what we wanted to do was tell you that if you're struggling and you want to talk to somebody, one really great organization uh, that we discovered over the past few weeks was Standby Support. And you can head across to standbysupport.com.au for more info. Um, but without further ado, let's launch into these questions, Dad. Fantastic. This one's from Maddie. Hi, John and Paul. I've been listening to you guys since the start and absolutely love the podcast. I'm a volunteer for SES Victoria. I just want to clarify, and I'm not sure what the jurisdictions are for NSW, that in Victoria, SES has jurisdiction for road crash rescues for a large portion of the state. The stations are entirely volunteer run with no paid members. We also provide assistance at crime scenes for VicPol for lighting and evidence recovery and also help with corpse recovery for train suicides or a body in a difficult position. Jesus Christ. Mm. We do storm damage, trees down causing traffic hazards, flooding and land search and rescue. Just recently, a drone stuck in a tree and a cockatoo stuck in a mat. Unfortunately, what we do isn't widely known and we are a lot less funded than Fire Rescue Victoria, previously MFB and CFA, and often forgotten as an emergency service. Hoping to educate about the amazing work that Vic SES volunteers do, um, and then edit, sorry, we also help the fireys out of bushfire season with helping to set up base camps, manage resources and comms. 
That is incredible. Phenomenal. Incredible. Wow. Golly. Well, I know that in the big bushfires in Sydney when I was in the fire brigade, uh, Mm. the SES, they used to put on and look after our well-being and uh, our sustenance and set up fantastic camps and, you know, places where we could go and sort of get some R&R, then go back on into the fire ground. Um, But in... I guess the major thing where SES are involved in in Sydney, Mm. and I'm happy to be corrected, but I know that at night time when the wind is howling and and it's a big, big storm, the SES are out there. In Sydney, they're they're working their rings out. And they've got lots and lots of uh, really good equipment on board. They're well-trained. Perhaps in the country, in in New South Wales, um, I think it would have a lot to do with you know, who, who gets to the job first if it's a motor vehicle accident, um, like a head-on in a remote area when you've got a lot of the emergency service personnel in these uh, far-flung outreaches are, are based on volunteers. Right. And they're people in the town that, uh, you know, during the day they do, you know, they, they do whatever. They might work in a news agency, a bank. Um, you know, they could be a greenkeeper. They could work on the roads. They could be... There are so many different, uh, you know, they could be the local real estate agent mm. and then all of a sudden they get the call and uh, they they don their uniforms and out they go. And, and the, to, to think that it's, it's, I mean, the whole spirit of being a volunteer in this country is, is, is it's a very, very long tradition. Yeah. Um, but I believe that governments should fund them in terms of at least give them the very, very best equipment available in the world because they're getting their service virtually nothing you know i guess if you if you cross over into that paid environment you then become a professional you know operator yeah and then you're entitled to uh you know a salary with all all the benefits but i guess also you've got to consider that in incredibly remote areas you know from a from a job perspective in terms of manpower versus the incidence of being called out to a particular uh, job i mean i guess governments and, and councils weigh up the um, you know the cost analysis of having people in a permanent role on standby like it can be done in the city because there's there's the, the volume of work mm. but if you're living in a tiny tiny little town well having said that you do have ambulance stations in far flung very remote towns because it's all about response time and if you don't have that great response time it's going to have um, sometimes dire you know end results yeah. So, but look, it's an incredible and admirable. You know, I guess every state's got um, some form of SES, but you've also got, you know, Sea Rescue, which is a massive uh, thing. Yeah, it's 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 incredible. Would you encourage people who are listening to volunteer for any of these uh, services if they're feeling up to it? Without a doubt, mm. without a doubt, Paul. I mean, even life saving. There are so many wonderful organisations where you can volunteer, and volunteering gives you a tremendous sense of purpose. You know, we've got this uh, this church up the end of our street here and I know a few people at work because they feed the homeless every night right. and I know quite a few professional people and some well-known Australian actors and they give up some of their time to just go and, and it's always good. At, look, I think it's a two-way street helping people. Um, it's undeniably uh, very effective and very important. It's a very important role in our society but it also does give back. Is a wonderful feeling. Yeah. Um, I used to work for a group that used to feed. I used to feed the homeless people here in Sydney one night a week. Mm. And when we were living on, on the northern beaches, I'd drive into the city. And the one thing we were taught, the golden rule when we were dealing with uh, 
you know the people that we that we were feeding yeah. just never ever be judgmental don't ever look at them and think because I, I know for a fact that we used to get backpackers in the queue right uh and you know inside like deep down i used to get the shits because yeah. i thought this is this is not right like these are people that can afford to eat out or, or shop but we were taught never ever to judge and i think that's yeah. a pretty good a pretty good rule to yeah. adhere to okay well let me go on to this other question this is from rel Hi, John and Paul. Just wondering how you found the mental health system. As an ex-cop, I've been to too many suicides and many attempts, some which we truly believed intended to take their life. We could only schedule the person to the local mental health unit, but 99% of the time, they'd be released within hours. Did you ever find yourself attending a suicide after having been to that person's suicide attempt? Well done with the sensitive topics. I know of several police who took their lives on duty and also when they've been medically discharged due to lack of support. Cheers. Terrible. I remember we had a, um, a young Vietnamese um, refugee in North Sydney and he had a terrible, terrible um, nervous breakdown. What I haven't told you, Paul, because mm. I saved it because I didn't really want to talk about it. You know, I don't... I do talk about these topics and the listeners will recall how we eventually got him back to... Uh, to we scheduled him and we got him to um, a psychiatric institution mm-hmm. in Ryde. It used to be called the North Ride Mental Association. The listeners will perhaps recall when we used to go there and the, the patients, we had to take our guns off and uh, the patients would always just come up and, and just sort of want to hug us and they just felt, I don't know what it was about the police uniform, but they just mm-hmm. felt safe. And this particular guy, yeah. we, uh, we, we, we put him in and... Um, what I didn't say is that a few weeks later he jumped off the Harbour Bridge. Oh, so, uh, and he'd probably had other attempts. And that was a case where uh, we felt that he should stay in and receive some uh, long-term serious treatment. Right. And they deemed fit that he... Um, I mean, they can't keep everyone in there forever, obviously. No, mm. And he uh, he was released. And then uh, I found out that he'd, he'd succeeded and, and passed away. In relation sort of... to Rel's question, how, like overall, how did you find the mental health system? Um, it's probably one of the most um, delicate and sensitive yeah. uh, topics there is. And, you know, I always tread a very fine line, a fine path. I try and be sensitive, but also accepting and understanding of and try and see both sides. But the general consensus uh, back in the 80s when I was in the New South Wales Police Force that... Um, it was a flawed system. Okay. And it was a, you know, it's a tough, but mental health, boy, oh boy. I mean, you see examples of people on the street that just, and, and, and we all know that it's a very fine line between being okay and then something happens in your life yeah. and everything comes tumbling down. It can be a, a, a sort of a series or succession of, of incidents, like one bad thing, then another and another. And then all of a sudden you just go, and you don't sort of, I mean, a friend of ours, Paul, a family friend that you know very well, the loveliest guy, he, one morning, he woke up and he um, he couldn't get out of bed. He'd had a nervous breakdown. Right. And there was no real, there were no indicators, no warnings. And he uh, just woke up one day and that was it. He, uh, he couldn't cope. It had been a, s- a series or a succession of incidents chipping away. And then at some point, you your mind just goes, you know what? I just can't, I can't cope. Mm-hmm. And um, it's like that time I went into shock. Yep. I had no, I had no warning. Mm. 
and that's looked at in and you know we're we're watching a series on netflix um called i think it's called lennox hill it's about a neurological um, hospital in mainly neurological in new york and you see these people come in and you know they've got a fairly positive prognosis and then um the poor surgeon we were were watching it last night and the surgeon he broke down he started crying he was so upset because you get to know the patients over a long period Mm. and imagine delivering that bit of news that that you've got an inoperable cancer and then and that how many people that affects you know that's the thing about emergency services and all these types of jobs is that you know you have to cope you've got to go to work you've got to do what you do you've got to see what you see you've got to try and not bring it home with you yeah you have to learn if you can and if you can't cope and if you can't if things really really get to you and you become affected and not not able to do the job properly and yeah. to the best of and, and to help people and you start losing it you need people and employers and and friends and family to be able to recognize the signs and say look you know what you need some time out mm. and it's possible that the the vocation or the occupation you've chosen no matter how much you love it it just might not be suitable and isn't it terrible to think that these soldiers when they come back from from war zones and they they, they then leave the, emerge, uh, the the military service they've seen things that are terrible and that's perhaps why a lot of people that have gone to war don't talk about these things they keep them bottled up you know then they're sort of unleashed into society and expected to just carry on you know regardless yeah it's just unbelievable i think that's been why it's so interesting working with you and hearing these stories and sort of seeing that you know there is something good to come out of talking about it but not everyone can so i guess you know it's really important to try and can i just share something with you paul and all the listeners i'm going to be very delicate and quite succinct i caught an uber which i haven't done in many many months because of the current situation yeah but today i lashed out and caught an uber from where we live to the studio the uber driver picked me up he is an ex-new south wales police officer he's telling me this story he also went to an armed robbery close by to where we live and it was in a service station and one of the offenders dropped his gun and went to the Bowser, covered himself in petrol, and the last thing this police officer that was driving me today, who's, look, he was reliving it as as he was driving me, and it was really intense, and the, he said to me the last thing he remembered was the white Bic lighter as the guy lit himself in front of him. So he had that totally horrific thing happen, and he just started to tell me a few of these stories, and he was he was a fascinating guy, and and there's, I mean, isn't that weird, Paul? That I'm heading over to do this thing with you this morning, and that is the Uber driver. Did you ask him if he could tell those stories? Yeah, I actually said to him, "Do you mind if I mention it?" And he said, "Fine." But incredible. Right. But isn't that and just amazing? Should... I got one last question. Uh, this is from Viv. Hey, I have a question for John. Today, a motorbike cop walked into our server, and when we asked him to remove his helmet, he said, "No, it's PPE." Was he just being a dick? What does PPE stand for? Personal Protective Equipment. I think it's a ballsy thing to say to a highway patrol officer, can you take your helmet off? That's just me. And I know that, look, it opens up a can of worms, that whole thing, doesn't it? Yeah. Look, I I mean, if he was getting the bus home, would he still wear the helmet on the bus? Yeah. Mm, Don't think so. 
But I thought if he got off the bike or out of the car, sorry, if he's wearing a helmet, he's, in, he's on the bike. If you're off the bike, why would you walk around wearing the helmet? Isn't that okay? Look, back in the 1980s, when the Highway Patrol cyclists pulled you over, yep, they always had a soft leather, like a Gestapo-looking hat, inside their pannier. So they would take their helmet off, yep. and they would put the cap on, mm-hmm. which, in my opinion, was equally or more intimidating. And then they would approach the driver. Mm-hmm. to ask them for their driver's license. So the helmet thing's interesting. When I was in the police force, there were police officers that were actually hauled before internal affairs, yeah. get ready for this, for not taking their glasses off when they were talking to people. Wow. So, look, you know, it depends on how far you want to go with this. I mean, I'm of the, the view that policing's a very tough job and the highway patrol have already got a bit of a handicap in terms of they are probably more disliked than general duties police. Right. And that's not really fair when you consider that highway patrol police are pulling people over God knows how many per day. Mm-hmm. But it's all in the way you you, you deal with the public. Um, I was driving along Manly Beach two mornings ago Yep. And the highway patrol, there's a 40 kilometer an hour speed limit on Manly Beach. Mm-hmm. And the highway patrol had pulled over a driver. And as I'm driving past, I looked and I recognised the driver. And he is a current serving New South Wales firefighter. He's actually an officer. Yeah. And I was looking at him and I was looking at his face and I was trying to imagine the conversation between him and the highway patrol officer. Mm. Now, historically, nine times or more than nine times out of ten, it doesn't matter what your excuse is. Uh, when I was in the police force, if you pulled over a fiery or an ambo, or dare I say it, even in someone in the military, Army, Navy, Air Force, yeah. generally speaking, you'd never book them. Right. But that's totally changed now. Yeah, you pointed this out on the show before. It was a very interesting point, actually. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I got pulled over a few years ago. I was talking on my mobile phone oh. <laughs> in Manly. <laughs> this is a classic. And the there were three police that pulled me over. And the female probationary constable, she was really sweet. And I was crapping on about how I'd been in the police force. And I'm, I'm really going going hard because I'm desperate not to get a ticket. Sure. And she didn't give me a ticket. Huh. And a few weeks later, I got a ticket in the mail. <laughs> and I know exactly what happened. What? what? <laughs> the other police would have thought, we'll let this guy, this ex-policeman, mm. crap on. We'll let him think that he's not going to get a ticket. <laughs> Tire himself out. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm talking at, you know, you know, I chat. Yeah. And they're all kind of going, oh, please, will you just Shut let up. us go? Yeah. And uh, they said, okay, see you later. And I was really happy. I thought it's a win for, for bullshit. God, and sure enough, funny. I got the ticket and there's nothing I could do. I mean, I, I'd done the wrong thing. and That's very funny. That mm. makes me very happy. Look, we've got to wrap up soon. But next Monday, um, we have something fairly big kicking off. It's season four of Loose Units, the podcast. It's called Dead Serious. And if you don't already know what it is, dad and mum 
uh, basically ran a funeral home in the 90s. And if you pick up Electric Blue, you'll hear a few cases from that period. But basically on Monday, you know, the fire brigade and the police are done. And occasionally that stuff will come up during loose ends uh, at the end of every week. Those things will sort of drip feed through. But But for season four is funeral home. It is dad's time running a funeral home. And dad, is it safe to say that it's pretty intense stuff yeah it's um there are some absolutely quite unbelievable stories yeah and there'll be pathos humor sadness all the emotions uh will be experienced and for the listeners uh it's a taboo topic anything to do with death yeah not taboo as in i can't talk about it but it's taboo in so far as it's one thing that people actually and why should you think about death? I mean, but look, we'll save it um, for next week. Otherwise, yeah. I'll sort of I'll get I'll go down the rabbit hole right now because oh, it's course. such an incredible topic. But we record every Monday, so next Monday you and I will be having a pretty intense chat to kick off season four of Loose Units. Thank you so 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 much, everyone, for listening to the show. Thank you for pre-ordering the book. And like I said up the front, if you haven't already and you're into audiobooks, not physical books, that's totally fine. Because Dad's cameoing on Electric Blue, the audiobook, and you can get it right now. You can pre-order it right now at Booktopia. And I guess we'll see you on Tuesday for the beginning of Season 4 of Loose Units, the podcast. Dad? Yes? I want to say goodbye. <laughs> goodbye. Paul, Paul also, you know how yep. you sent the um, you sent an email over last night and it had the file of the entire book? Yep. And I, obviously I didn't want to sort of look too much but i i just looked at the names and how many chapters there are yeah and it's so exciting that the titles of every chapter i can't wait i'm so excited to just I'm go so... head first into it i'm <sighs> look it's just <sighs> bloody laura it's so it's exciting a... bloody laura hmm. and on that note bye <laughs> oh are we going now I said goodbye before. Were you not listening? Oh, you're still recording? I ended the episode. Yeah, we're done. Great. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.